I just needed the newest, the latest, the greatest. You know, I had the sweet car. I had the custom suits. I had the country club. I bought a boat once. And literally that would probably be dollar for dollar, Andrew, my worst ever investment because I bought a boat and I probably used it three times over two years. And I probably set $30,000 on fire. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com and join our Facebook group to connect with our community of guests and fellow listeners. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, John Osberg. John, are you ready to rock? Let's do it. Taking some time to get you on this show, and I'm looking forward to this <laughs> episode. I want to introduce you to the audience. John Osberg's life mantra is serve to soar. John is on a mission to unlock growth in people, businesses, and communities to help them go from where they currently are to where they want to be. You'll find his posts on LinkedIn about mental models, transformative growth insights, and impactful content sources aimed at professional and personal development. He also showcases acts of egalitarian community building. And ladies and gentlemen, make sure to listen to him on his Power of Osmosis podcast. John, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Well, Dr. Stotts, I'm going to call you Dr. Stotts. We had that, that chat off air. I appreciate this opportunity and your follow through, follow up with me. I've really enjoyed listening to your show. And so just want to send kudos to you for what you're doing to build this community and unlock insights for all those that are following, you know, the thought leadership that you're putting out there. So big time kudos. Appreciate and thanks it. for that intro. That was fun. And I've been looking forward to this. So yeah, really the long and short of it for me, I grew up with two public, you know, two public servants, if you will, in the medical field, psychology field. So I, I got a front row seat growing up to what it is to really serve everyone, serve people selflessly and um, to give, to give, not what I should say is give to give and not to get right. So that's something that was ingrained in me at a young age and here, you know, 25 years later, I'm 30 now, I should say, but you know, it's something that I, I, I just can't get away from. And so I, I started my career in technology and a startup. I had no idea what startups were, I had no idea kind of what we were doing, but the folks that brought me in saw something in me that at the time I did not see in myself. So I'm super grateful to those folks for giving me my start and having the faith to work with me through the first few years of my, you know, a little rawness, if you will, my greenness. So kind of launched my career getting to the startup where, you know, a few times as any startup, we almost failed. This was a software development firm that was three of us when I started there. And then when I left five years later, we had about 40 people, multi-state, multi-million dollar operation. It was pretty, pretty cool. So anyway, not to go too, you know, too detailed, but basically four different stops in my career. The general theme was tech startups. So some volatility, a couple of things happened in my career that I guess weren't planned. I didn't see them coming. And uh, put me into an interesting place around the middle and then into the end of 2019. So about two years ago, I found myself kind of on a, a bit of a slide and, you know, was in a place that I, I couldn't really, you know, physically uh, or I should say figuratively and literally recognize myself, Andrew, in the mirror. And that was what kind of was that final stop for me where 
I didn't have it. I wouldn't call it a tier one trauma, which is in my opinion, something like a heart attack or a DUI or something crazy where you're forced to make a change, right? You're like, okay, mm-hmm. this is it. Like I'm in jail or I lost my license or I killed whatever. I had like a tier two. So it was like, it was the step before getting somewhere really serious. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And so at the end of 2019, I decided to, to make some changes, things like abstaining from, you know, drinking alcohol and, you know, a lot of other things that really just had to deal with personal development that as time went on, especially when COVID hit here in the States, it, it afforded me an opportunity to really go inward and spend time working on myself and 60 pounds later, starting a business, running marathons, ultra endurance events, um, meeting people and becoming friends with people. I never thought, you know, I'd be becoming friends with some of these folks are fairly influential and just people who are of, of true moral fiber. Here I sit, you know, we're into almost quarter four, 2021, where my life is almost unrecognizable from where it was maybe two years ago. There are still plenty plenty of valleys and plenty of struggles, uh, especially even lately, vulnerably and candidly, I've been working through, but my life is built on authenticity, which I know is one of the core principles of the show. So kudos again to you, Andrew, and, and just a showing of, of really acts of selflessness, of leadership, of community building and of transformative growth, which is something that I've went through and I'm grateful for. And so my steadfast mission is to help others, whether a business, a community organization, or someone individually to unlock their own. Mm. I like uh, what you said about, I just wrote it down, tier true trauma. And uh, yeah. it reminds me, you know, when I was uh, 16, I was heavily into drugs and uh, mm. I was in a lot of trouble. And basically there was a new method going around in America at that time. And it was called raise the bottom. And that's where parents were taught to let your child suffer the consequences of their mm. action. You know, in my case, I went to juvenile detention when I was younger and I had a lot of different troubles and I got kicked out of school at times and all kinds of stuff. But my parents kept trying to raise that bottom. And ultimately, I got into treatment and I went through a couple of different, three different treatment programs. And then when I was 17, I got out. And I've been sober ever since now, almost 40 years, just celebrated 39 years of that. But I just wow. want to relay, yeah, I want to relay a story. I went into a 12-step meeting when I was one of, you know, a young kid full of energy. And, and mm-hmm. an old, older guy looked at me and he said, I spilled more beer on my necktie than you drank in your whole life. <laughs> and, and, I, and I just thought to myself, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just said to myself, and what's your point? Yeah. And so when we talk about tier two trauma, I think the lesson I want the listeners to get, you know, from from what you've talked about is that we do not have to go to the absolute bottom. And that's what I what I learned in my my life of kind of recovery was that success is not it's not about fail, not failing. It's about catching yourself when you're slipping, catching yourself before you let yourself go too far down. So, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in tier two trauma right now, you don't have to go to tier one and it doesn't have right to now. get worse. You can stop right now and take action to reverse it. So thank you for that. No, thank and thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, sharing that story again, part of that ethos, authenticity and the vulnerable piece. A lot of times folks will say, you know, oh, I, I don't like being vulnerable. It's weakness. And, and I uh, adamantly 
come back conversely and say, actually, it's the complete opposite. When you are willing to stand nakedly, right, and say, I am inadequate in these ways, Mm. you are you are the strongest you'll ever be. Because that shows that, hey, I don't care what people think. This is who I am. This is where I'm at. And yeah, it's not great, but I'm at least aware of it. And I'm, I'm working towards a solution of, of solving this problem, these problems. So kudos yep. to you. And, you know, in your last podcast, it was Jacob, was it Rogue? I know yep. I asked you off yep. there. Yep. Yep. I was listening to that and I heard you mention in response, but I don't think you went into detail. So it's almost mm. like you're in my head because I was going to ask you as that podcast host, I can't yep. help myself almost two podcast hosts having a chat, exactly. here, but um, you did it. You already answered it. So yeah. again, that's, that's beautifully said. And um, congrats on almost four years. I'm going on two years. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let's well, my, go. My mother and I went out for dinner and celebrated that. So that was fun. So absolutely right. fantastic. It really is. Now it's time. It is time. No more waiting. It's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and tell us your story. Yeah, yeah, Andrew. Um, I'm going to totally just, I hope this will get people really hooked in and listening to this because this is not really planned. I mean, I have almost too many worst investments to count, whether they are financial or non-financial. And, you know... <laughs> What I would say to you know the metaphor is, I wrote some notes down. I think investing in what others thought of me, you know, throughout the, my career, I would say probably you know year zero through year five, six, seven, investing in what others thought of me and saw of me, kind of my identity and letting them kind of have take over my inner voice, Andrew. That had to have probably been one of the worst investments ever. Things like you know, you're too young. You don't know enough. We need someone more senior in the room with you. Or, you know, your energy is great, but you need to work on channeling it. You need to work on harnessing it. You know, these are the things that still play back in my mind often because really my energy and my youthful exuberance and my creativity are some of my greatest strengths. And it took, like I said, seven, eight, nine years, a lot of soul searching to finally realize that. And again, to this day, there are times where I feel like, man, like, should I have this much energy? Should I be this, you know, exuberant for this opportunity or for this speaking event? You know, am I overdoing it? And then I've realized that those are those other voices that don't have, that they have no place in my mind, in my brain. So I would say, you know, metaphorically speaking, that's probably, that's probably the best answer. And really, I guess, you know, consequently then, not investing properly into myself, into my true ethos. But financially, I will say this, when you're in the startup world, and this is something that really has been a hot topic for the last year, two years, because of starting my own business and you really have to sharpen your focus, Andrew, as you might guess, Mm, and you know, with being a business, multi-business owner, you got to sharpen your focus on your finances. And I have not said this on any podcast or any online content until just this moment here. So this is my first try at it. I have made more financial mistakes than I can count on my two hands and maybe even my toes. What do I mean by that? And what I was saying it just a second ago that when you get into the startup world, a lot of times you don't have that stability. You don't have that, that establishment of like, you know, benefits and 401k and IRA and all this stuff. So for the majority of my career, I didn't really have any of that backing and I was flying by the seat of my pants. 
I also had some unique circumstances in my life where when I did finally move out of the house, my family home, I just, I just needed the newest, the latest, the greatest, you know, I had the sweet car. I had the custom suits. I had the country club. I bought a boat once and literally that would probably be dollar for dollar, Andrew, my worst ever investment because I bought a boat and I probably use it three times over two years. And I probably set $30,000 on fire. So hopefully when this does get released, there's some people going like, wow, don't buy that boat. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Bust out another thousand BOAT. People joke with me. I'm like, Oh, that's funny. And then I got it. And I was like, bust out another 30,000 maybe instead of thousands. So, so I think I've answered a couple things and I'd be, I'd be open to the floor to anything that stuck out to you to go further on. You know, let's talk about this. I like this uh, thing about talking about investing in yourself and not, you know, investing too much in what other people think and that type of stuff. Tell me what lessons have you learned having gone through that and coming out of that and looking at that differently? What are the lessons that you've learned? Well, one of the biggest lessons for me, Andrew, was now that I've I've lived, you know, 30 years, right? Maybe called 10 years in, in the business world as a careerist. The one thing for me is it's all about that next generation. So I really, even though I have so many mentors that that the reason I am where I am today, I can, I can thank them. I'm also a mentor to a lot of people. And it took some time to really fully realize that probably because of those voices, you're too young. We need someone more senior. You have too much energy. I've been meant, I've been actively mentoring more people. And one of the biggest things I say, and this is a quote that I derived from just recently past Trevor Moad, who is a mental conditioning, was a mental conditioning coach, one of the best in the world, God rest his soul. He would say, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I'll say that again. <laughs> if you're good enough, you're old enough, right? And and listen, there are things. I grew up with a psychologist, right? So our brains don't fully fuse to about 25 years old. There are certain decision-making cognitive things that happen. I get it. But I know plenty of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds that are starting businesses, one of which in Buffalo, New York, she's 18 and she's a multimillionaire, multimillionaire. And, and not to say that money is the, the biggest, you know, you know, whatever the word measurement of success, it isn't, mm. but she's incredible and she's rocking it. And so for me, it's just, realizing that we all have greatness in us, like the great Les Brown would say, right? You know, like we all have greatness in us. You have greatness within you. It's a matter of finding it, right? And maybe I'm not Tiger Woods on the golf course and maybe I'm not Trevor Moat as a mental conditioning or life coach or whatever, but I am something, I am someone. And I have something that can't be replicated. So the lesson that I take out of all those, those kind of concussive, you know, it, your time will come. And, you, you know, what all these things I've said now a couple of times is, no, the time is here and the time is now. And if I take my shot and sure, if I miss, well, at least I took the shot and I'm mm-hmm. going to learn from, you know, making that mistake. But I'd rather do that than have it be theoretically presented to me saying, you know what, you probably should sit this one out because you're not, you know, senior enough or experienced enough or, or whatever. I, I, I hated feeling, I'll finish this with this, Andrew. I, I just, I hated feeling almost handcuffed sometimes in meetings and conversations where I was really just a fly on the wall. And while it was great to listen and take notes, I definitely, you know, forewent, you know, a lot of opportunity to sharpen kind of my iron in building relationships, building business opportunities, because I was just listening and sitting there and not being able to be a part of the conversation. So yeah. Well, let me share a few things. I mean, I, I want to think about I mean, when I was younger, I was I was pretty uh, insecure. Mm. Uh, I felt like I was a, a skinny 
kid and I couldn't, you know, defend myself against big kids. And I didn't really, you know, I wouldn't say that women were attracted to me, you know, like I was just like a real ordinary guy mm. and I didn't see myself as anything. And I remember mm. one, one of the counselors, his name was Roland Mena. And uh, mm. he basically said, this is, I mean, we're talking 40 years ago. This, he said, we were in a group therapy session. He said, stand up in front of that mirror over there. And I was like, yeah. He says, look at yourself. He said, you're the tallest and biggest person in the room. And wow. I was like, and I just never saw myself in that way. And I never, it was hard to, to, to start to develop this idea that right. I could have my own identity. I could be who I wanted to be. I think my youth was not like about that. And then, then I, I got built my great friendship with my best friend, Dale, and we've been friends for, you know, years, but mm. Dale's, Dale's tougher. I mean, he was brought, he, he and his brother, I, I wrote, was raised with two, two sisters and, you know, a different type of environment. He was tougher. And one day we were in LA and somebody said something and Dale said, if you have a problem with that, that's your problem. That's it. I was like, you can think that way? You can say that? Yeah. And it's a little bit, I go back to the story of the guy that said, I spilled more beer on my necktie than you drank in your life. And what I, what I now would say if I was in there, I said, I'm really sorry about that, sir, that you had to do that. Not a very good reflection. You know, <laughs> the point yeah, and you is, know what that is, Andrew? That's a, oh, sorry, I don't want to overspeak you, but that ahead. to me is a projection, right? No, no. I'll, and definitely finish your exactly. thought, but the, that's just projecting insecurities and things on us where we have to be, you know, acutely aware at all times where you hear things, see things and have to ask yourself, is this person projecting something onto me that's within them, right? And don't take offense because that's just, that's just their insecurity. That's their struggle, their problem. And I think in the world, if we took that approach a little bit, you know, more seriously, I think that would help kind of lessen some of the tensions we see mm -hmm. economically, politically, socially. So I'm sorry, continue. Yep. My niece always said that, you know, she said to me that, you know, people have their trauma behind the scenes that you know nothing about. And that was, right. that was a good reminder of that. But I think so the good. other thing I was, it made me think about too, is I get, I get young people who ask me about, you know, careers and all that. I was in Hong Kong and I spoke at an event and a bunch of students mm. came up to talk to me. And this one girl said to me, you know, I want to study finance, you know, but, but I'm, I'm in accounting and I heard it's, you know, I heard it's, uh, you know, hard to make that transition or whatever. I said, who told you that? I, I don't know. So I, you know, I heard it from a, what, who, who, who has the right to tell you that? Right on. And, you know, if you want to do it, and I, I say to, oftentimes I preface my advice to young people, I'm not really the best person to ask advice from because I don't give a crap what you think. I'm going to pursue my life. I moved to Thailand when I was, you know, 26 years old to just pursue my dream. So in some ways, you know, you could say I'm selfish, but in the other way, you can also say that, you know, I, I've tried to live my, my truth. And there's oh, one last thing is one last thing I want to say is that I uh, think about when I, I met a, a girl, a lady here in Thailand, she's a teacher. And I asked her, you know, what do you teach? And she said, I teach, you know, young kids that have ADHD. And, you know, of course I was, you know, a hyper kid and they put me on Ritalin when I was seven years old, I didn't know that until I later found it out. And when I was, you know, many years older, I didn't know how early they started me on. I knew I was taking it as I was more aware. 
And basically, I said, how do you feel about it? And she says, I just feel really sorry for these kids, you know. And I just sat there and I said to her, and I said, you know, I'm ADHD, and I can tell you I really feel sorry. I was in a room with 100 kids, and all of them sat and listened to the boringest teacher talk about the stupidest stuff, and they didn't move an inch. I feel sorry for them. I feel happy that I have the energy and the passion, and I jump, and I got so much in me that I just want to bring it out. And, and she's like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. And I was like, right. And I said, and I've had it all my life, you know, and, and you know what I did? I hire people around me that are steady eddies, yes. you know, so that I can go to my mountaintop and then, you know, I'll crash, boom, and then I'll, I'll be out of, out of communication for a little bit and then I'll come back and then I'll go to my mountaintop. And the point is, is that many people around me don't ever want to go to that mountaintop. They just want to be steady. So there's a place for all of us. Mm, that, that resonates hugely with me. I just want to step back quickly, but I want to hit that point too. There's a great book for our listeners and watchers, What Happened to You by Oprah. It's recently released, I think, <laughs> maybe in the last couple of years. And it's all about trauma. It's all about mm. unpacking trauma. And that's the question we can ask ourselves when we are in public or you know something happens, you see someone on TV is, you know, where someone's doing something that's maybe out of line with, you know, what you feel is appropriate or, uh, you know, along your principles is what happened to that person? What's causing them to be this way? You know, again, even road rage as an example, Dr. Stotts, you know, someone, someone zipping by cuts you off, you know, what's, what's happening to them or what happened to them? Maybe because I've seen people where just the smallest thing, I I love Mm -hmm. to study people wherever I go, especially driving. And you see just like the smallest thing sets people off. And there's, a, there's an equation to that caffeine, not sleeping enough, eating fast food, not exercising, watching the news constantly. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. Yep. And it's, it's, you know, vicious cycle. But I want to go back to what you just said with, you know, you can be who you want to be. And um, that's something that I'm, I'm actually currently struggling with still. It's something that I'm working on where it's like, you just said something there where I am also someone of vitality, right? That's another buzzword I love to use is strength, energy, vibrance. And I can tell you're the same way. And it's like, I do want to be steady because that's self, you know, self-preservatory, right? And meaning if, if you're constantly high energy or you have these bouts of, of volatility of like high energy and then you have to crash. So for me, in my case, that, that doesn't seem very sustainable for me. So I'm trying to find that balance, right? I feel like life, and I'm curious if you agree, is a constant beta test, right? We're just, even if it's super small, we're just introducing maybe a new behavior or a new routine to see how does that do? Like, is that something that serves me or does it not serve me? And um, it can also go though the, the, too far where it's like you're constantly changing things and it can get overwhelming and it's, there's not a lot of predictability to life. So, but I love what you said to come back to that. It just, we all can be who we want to be. And when you find that inner strength to just come out and say, this is me, that's where life gets really good. Yeah. That's where life gets really good, man, because you're just living, like you said, living your truth. Great phrase. Yep. So that's, I think, you know, and for the listeners out there, you know, we do what our parents tell us. We do what society tells us, you know, and there's, there's a lot of value there, you know. Just, I think it's an important thing to remember that if, you're, if you are a person with a lot of energy, if you're a person that is like what we've talked about, you, you don't have to oppose everybody. 
you know, I, I always say that if you think on your, on your own, use your own brain, you, you can come to your own conclusions. And I love that. You know, I love reading, reading. I love talking to people. I love trying to figure out, and how do I come up with my own? Is there going to be inflation or deflation? Is the Fed going to do this or that? Is this company mm. management going to be able to execute that? You know, in my world of finance, I love to think about these things. And I think the world of finance is so great because, you know, you can have all of your twisted, distorted beliefs and you can test them out on the stock market. Right. There you go. And you'll find, that. you'll find the kind of consensus truth. And there'll be some small number of times in your career where you'll be right and consensus will be wrong. But most of the time, you know, and you can test and the problem we have in our lives with a lot of things that are going on right now is that it's, it's not easy for people to test their theories. And I think that's part of, you know, when I worked on my PhD, part of it, you know, a huge part of it is how do you test a theory? How do you try to disprove a theory? And so I just like the idea of being able to form your own ideas and form your own opinions, but it doesn't mean that you have to oppose everybody. So good. Yep. That's so good. So I love that. Let's talk about, you know, I, I kind of, I want to think also about what you talked about, tier two trauma. And I want to think about people that are struggling, that are listening. And, you know, they're struggling to kind of, uh, to become themselves and, you know, start to live their, their own, you know, passion and all that. And tell us what one action would you recommend that they take? to avoid suffering the same fate or avoid suffering the same fate of having to hit some huge bottom, what can they do now, today, to make themselves better? Oh, God, I love this conversation. That's a great question, Andrew. Thank you. There's a, a more philosophical kind of concept that I have that I'll come back to. I want to make sure I directly answer your question, and here it is. You're struggling to identify who you are or to say, say you have a pretty good grasp on who you are, who you want to be, what you want to be doing, but you're still kind of unsure. Find your inner circle, call your inner circle, almost like a reporter. And you could even come out right up front. It's something that I've talked about in some of my coaching and something that I'm working out with myself even. Call your inner circle, you know, Steve, you know, Nick, mm. whoever. This is for me. Like, these are some of my buddies. Yep. You know, Steve, when you think of me, hey, hey, you know, hey, man, kind of maybe balance it a little bit. Hey, listen, I've been struggling to find my true identity and, and really my ethos, my life ethos. And, and I'm, I'm curious if you could give me totally candid, unfiltered, high level opinion on who, wh what do you think of me? You know, what do you mm. when you think of me, what do you think? Right. What are some of the words? What are some of the titles or the tags that you think, you know, and so what you can start to do is maybe compile some trends. Right. So if I were to call my inner circle, they're going to say connector. They're going to say leader. They're going to say energizer, coach, you know, friend, you know, just an absolute diehard of a friend. I mean, my inner circle knows that I literally would die for them. I would do whatever it would take to help them, serve them, be with them, support them. And I know they would do the same for me. And that's why there's only a few of them, right? So I would say that exercise of calling the folks that are your trusted advisors, your confidants, and speaking with them and say, what do you think when you think of me as a person, as a professional, and start to write some notes. Yep. And then you can start to collect that. And then you can say to yourself after you've had some time to just kind of meditate and, and, and maybe have some catharsis, okay, look at all these notes, look at all these descriptor words. 
what are the words in here that I want to be truly without an agenda, without my job, without society? What are these descriptive words that really align with me? And then start to ingrain that in your brain, right? Because people will ask, Andrew, when you're at an event, what's the first thing? What do you do? See my face there? You can tell I don't like that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Like, it's not what we do. It's why we do it, right? So for me, it's like, why, why are you here? You know, why do you get up every day and do what you do? So, but I would say one last thing to that little bit of a rant is whether we want to believe it or not, we are needed. We really are, you know, and that's part of that exercise with calling your inner circle and even maybe your second ring of, of friends will help with that because you'll realize that, you know, like you said, with the mirror exercise, where you stand in the mirror and you, that, that was a light bulb moment for me, yep. you know, you can get caught up in just seeing, you know, like your nose and your hands and your leg, and you don't see who you are outside of yourself, whether it's literally physically, or, or I should say literally or figuratively, mm. and you are needed. You are, you know, you're, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a, you're a father, you're a, you know, you're a mother, you're a whatever, all these, you're, you're a business person, you're a community leader, you're a coach, Whatever it is, you're, you're you're someone. You can be someone's idol, whether you know it or not. And yeah. every single day, realizing that, and I've been I've been coaching myself, Andronic, because there's times where I struggle. Yep. And then people will just come out of nowhere on a LinkedIn message or a text or a call or in person and just say, "Man, I saw that post," or "Man, that podcast," or "Man, that thing you did in the community, you know, last week, that really resonated, that really inspired me." And I went and did this or that, and I'm like, "Wow." You know, and, and so just reminding ourselves constantly until it's just built, it's just built. It's just there. It's a mechanism that is always there and always working until that day comes. We have to keep finding ways to remind ourselves. Mm. So ladies and gentlemen, it's a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> explore who you are. And then I would say build on that because that's what you're meant to be ultimately. And last question. What's your yeah. number one goal for the next 12 months? I need to follow some of your footsteps there, Andrew, and building online digital courses that are around the ideas of transformation and magnetizing your life to bring in everything you want and then kind of dispel with what you don't. And that's part of that inward thought where it's like, I have some blocker that I'm still struggling to like, like, I know, like I have these glimpses in my mind of like, man, like I have done some cool things. And I know there are people who are out there who would benefit from this, yep. but I keep saying, who's actually going to buy that digital course? Who's really going to, who's going to resonate with that? You know, that little voice in there that just says, no, no way. So in 12 months from today, having a, uh, a robust library of digital courses that are all about unlocking your growth on a variety of levels is the goal for me is to really have that out there so people can you know, take little nuggets of whatever I've done, take it, dude, Bruce Lee, take what's useful to scar what's not, you know, and then make it your own. Yep. So, so that's, that's it for me. That's exciting. And for the listeners Thank out you. there and also for you, John, as I've got six online courses that I've developed over the years, what I would say is if somebody asked me about it right now, I would say, first thing you need to do is come up with your topic. Second thing you need to do is do an outline, do an outline mm -hmm. of, let's say five, topic points that you want to talk mm. about and then underneath mm. each one of those do a little bit more notes right and then get your iphone out put it on a stand and turn it on and say this is module number one and there's five modules in this course but i'm going to talk about this one which is xyz and i'm going to tell you a little bit about it 
and then you go through the three bullet points or so you have under that and you turn off your camera after five or ten minutes and you record the next one until you've got five of them, each of them, let's say five minutes, you know, who's going to give you 25 minutes already to watch five, five of those? 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, there's your course. Put it up on a site. I use Thinkific, but whatever you use, sure. put it on the site, offer it for free or for 10 bucks or five bucks and say, here's what I got to give and start to drive people to it, get feedback and then start to say, oh, part number four, I'm going to rebuild a little bit. Part number one, I'm going to rebuild and just do it. You can create a course in a weekend and have it up and running. And that's my advice after spending thousands of hours creating courses. That's what I would say to the wow. listeners, but also to you, John. Wow. So, I'm very grateful for that. It's, it's on air coaching that is not taken lightly. I'm super grateful for that. That's, and, and you know, the one thing that you, yeah, well, I was just about to say the one thing you did that I used to really not do well was, is to keep it simple. Right. And it's not keep it simple, stupid. I like to say, keep it simple, silly. So, you know, the kiss model is something that's been top of mind now for a while. So that I, I have that all recorded here and I know this will come out. So I'm going to, once it's released, I'm going to go watch this part like 10 times and, and then create that, create that course. And I'll send you the first copy. Perfect. And, uh, what I always say to the people around me, I like to say is let's not insult ourselves. The world's hard enough on us. So instead of saying, keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple, silly, let's say, Keep it simple, smarty. Hey, even better. I, I went from stupid to silly. You took it from silly to, to yeah, smarty. I right. love it. Yep. So That's you know, good. Let's, well let's, let's support ourselves. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com and join our Facebook group to connect with our community of guests and fellow listeners. As we conclude, John, I want to thank you again for coming on the show and on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I would just say, keep serving to keep soaring. You know, this, when you serve, that's what helps you soar in life. Amen. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.